we were talking, I've been talking for the last couple weeks on um, the little things, the, the things that bind us together, the things that seem little in the in reality, but they're very large in the spiritual. Um, we've talked about, you know, our words, what we say, what we say will come to pass. Um, a lot of times what we do is we, we say things and then we realize that we've said the things we shouldn't have said and then we wonder why we've gotten the results from the things that we shouldn't have said. Um, it's funny because if you look at um, the first sign of, or the first um, part of the Bible in Genesis, it talks about how uh, God said, you know, let there be light. He, he started to speak those things. But what I really also want you to think is think about the first time rebellion hit the world was the enemy, was Satan. What was Satan doing? He's thinking to himself, hey, I can do this better than him. <laughs> that thought alone is just absolutely insane to think that he could do it better than God. But what happened was is this is rebellion grew in him. And what happened is is when rebellion grows in you, and what hap- after that, rebellion starts to come out of this. And so what he did is rebellion was fully seated in him. And what did he do? He started to speak it. He started to, to cause discord. I, I don't un- quite understand, and I don't think we'll understand this until we get to heaven and, and God explains this to us, how there was discord in heaven. How, you know what I mean? The angels of God are in heaven, and I don't, I don't know if it was actually in the, in the presence of God or if, it was, if you know, he thought he was having secret meetings outside of heaven. And, um, but he started, his rebellion grew in him, and then he started to speak it. And what did he do? He caused discord. And he caused, used discord to cause rebellion in the angels. And God says, okay, we can't have this. So he cast them out. And, but you think about it, his, his words took him exactly where he started to speak. You know, and so many times in our life, we use our words as weapons in the wrong way. You know, like I said, the, you know, we talked about uh, last week, you know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that's a, such a phrase used in our, in our world. But they, the problem is, is what the truth actually is and what people think the truth is, is actually two different things. So the truth can destroy people and the truth can set people free. And so we look at what God was doing. And we see that when he was creating things, when he was verbalizing those things, he wasn't just saying, yeah, let's just try this. He said, let's make man in our image. Who is he talking to? No, no, no. Who, who is he talking to when he says, let's make man in our image? He's talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. God does not have a physical body. Jesus does have a physical body. So he's looking at it and saying, okay, let's make man in our image, but he's also saying, how, how am I going to do this? So he's talking and he's having this conversation with the Holy Spirit and all three of them when God says it, it's not just God doing it it's the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus they are working together the whole, the, the God, the Trinity do not work apart from each other they work together, they may, you may see moments where the Holy Spirit will show up but that is still God working that is still the, the presence of Jesus that is the Spirit of Jesus working on, in your life and on the face of the earth so when we when we think God said let there be light and let's make man in our image. He created us to be like him. He cre- not, you know, God himself, but he created us to walk like him, to talk like him. When you read it in the garden of Eden, God said Adam and Eve sin and they realize they've sinned and what happens is he walked they hide themselves. They realize they're naked and they decide to, to learn sewing skills and they sew some leaves together and they, to hide their shame is what they would call it. Here's the, here's the problem is, is they went and hid in the garden and God walks. It says God walked in the cool of the day. So the breeze blowing through. Some definitions say the cool, uh, so cool of the day. Some say God walked. But what it was, it was the spirit of God blowing through the garden. It wasn't God physically walking through the garden. But God says, Adam and Eve, where are you? Have you ever walked into your house and say, find, try to find your kids or find somebody and say, where are you? And they don't answer you. 
and you're like where the heck are they at and and it's like i just i knew they were in here a minute ago but god wasn't saying that he wasn't saying hey uh where are you guys at i can't find you he's like where is your heart where is your heart engaged where are you at in your relationship with me and what had happened is, is they had stepped out of that inner sanctum with God. They stepped out of, the, out of the throne room area of relationship with God and, wa- and walked into the unknown of where is my relationship with God. God was not looking to kick them out. He was looking to say, where are you? How do I restore you? Where, ca- where, can, we, where can we fix this? What can we do? But Adam blames the wife, and the wife blames the serpent, and then it's just kind of a big blame party. And you're like, you, the woman you gave me made me do this, or gave me this fruit. And then the woman's like, well, the, the, the serpent made me do it. And God wasn't looking for excuses. God was looking for their heart to change and say, I, I, I'm going to own up to what I've done. I've taken of what you've told me not to. And I need to be restored. But they didn't. They kept blaming so that what happens is rebellion grew in them. Satan wasn't looking. That fruit wasn't what he was looking for them to do. Yes, that was an action, but what he was really looking for was the seed of rebellion to be planted in. The moment they took that bite, the seed of rebellion was produced in them. And what God was looking for is to drag that out and say, you know, let's fix this. Let's bring this back to what it was. And what happened is that they said, you know, no, we can do this on our own. And they moved out of the presence of God into a not knowing when God was going to show up. And God had to remove them. And so what happened was, is this is not having that connection with God broke them as people. You ever had of those moments where you just break and it's just like, what happened? Where, where, where were we? What, what, what is going on? I don't know what it is. But God was looking to restore, but that moment that they ate, it broke their connection with him. They, they lost that, that me and God moments. But God wanted to restore that to them. So if you look at the New Testament, Jesus talks about having that connection back with God. You really don't see it throughout any of a lot of scripture. You'll see moments where the prophets had um, experiences with God. You know, Moses up on the mountain and the, the spirit of God shows up like the presence of God shows up like a fire in a, in a burning bush but it didn't consume the, the bush you see throughout the Old Testament that God showed up to certain people and revealed himself to them and it changed them Moses goes up to the mountain and then he comes down gray and white because the presence of God had changed who he was when you experience God uh, 30 seconds with the Spirit of God and the presence of God was more than a lifetime of what he needed to be with God. So we look at what the presence of God does in our life and that, in that, those moments is what seals us. It binds us to him. Those little links where the presence of God hooks into us and we hook back and we hold on. But those, those little things are what create a big relationship with him. And I had talked about this a couple weeks ago. We don't want that casual relationship with God. We just kind of show up and do that weird, weird TV prayer that everybody prays on TV when they need to do a prayer, and it's really super awkward, and we all watch, we all watch it, and we're like, it's not how you pray. It, it is. You know what I'm talking about. We don't want that connection with God. We want that intimate connection with God. And do you guys remember as kids, you always had that one place you liked to go? You always had, like for boys, it was the fort. You built a fort, you dug a trench, you put boards over top of it, you dug something, you dug a hole, you would make a fort. You always had this certain place you would go that was the cool place. Girls, I don't know what you did, but um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yes. So guys, we had forts. We had, for me as a kid, we had, we had um, two different types of property. We had um, sand in the backfield and we had woods and swamp in the front and so we would have tree forts and then we would have foxholes so we would dig trenches like we'd be out with shovels all day long digging trenches and we would dig 12-15 foot trenches 
and then we would put old board over top and then just put stuff over top and we'd have little tunnels and stuff like that but those were the places we went it was like that was cool you guys are smiling because you're thinking about me out there digging trenches um but that's the thing is there were places we went when we wanted to be by ourselves those those places you all have that place and you're thinking about it right now when you were a kid when things weren't going so right when things were off when things were bad at home there was a place that you went even if it was at home that you could stow away and you could just separate from it or maybe it wasn't at home but there was this always this place where you could get away and just be on your own you know when things were tough you needed to be alone you would just go there it was that little hidden area away you know the place for me it was the fort i could just climb up climb, go up the rope uh, rope, rope bridge get up into the fort i had elaborate forts i'm just saying you ever seen uh star wars ewok village that's pretty much what i had um we actually called it the ewok village because we had two zip lines two rope bridges um two platforms to come off of those yeah i'll have to find pictures and show you but um yeah it's it, it was very intricate so there was like we had you know booby traps with buckets of water you could pull on people we had everything but if i needed to be alone it was that was the where we'd go you just sit out there you don't know what you were doing you just sit out there it was just that place to be alone you know it was a place sometimes when things were wrong it would be a place to hide from when things were tough or when things were not going well you know if we look at at the bible what does jesus say jesus says we need to go and be with the Father. What did Jesus do? We looked at it throughout Scripture, and I'll go over some of that. Jesus had those moments where he went away. He got out of everyday life, and he just went away to be with the Father. So that secret place, that prayer, some people call it a prayer closet, was that intimate place for Jesus to be away from everything just to spend time and be alone with his Father and to listen to what his Father was doing. I don't think Jesus could have done what he did unless he had that time with his father. If he did not have that, those moments of intimacy with his father saying, son, this is who you are. I am well pleased with you. you know, getting what he needed from his dad, it, it wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been able to do what God had called him to do. So I was reading this article. Um, the word closet in the Greek is um, tamioan. I probably didn't pronounce that correctly, but anyway. Um, it's an old word with, it, it progresses throughout history, though. The first wor- use of the word would be, in a secret place, would depict a place where people would put their valuable possessions. So a, a room in their house that, and we all have that still. You know, there's a certain room in the house where it's like certain things, we put certain things in there just to keep them out of sight, out of mind for people if they decided to, to, to walk into our house and visit us while we weren't there. Um, and then later on it progressed to be a secure place where a person could put, could put money or treasure such as a safety deposit box or a vault in a bank so this word is progressing as the ages go on it represented a place of security that no one would be able to break into, disrupt, or steal valuable possessions by the time the New Testament comes around that word evolved even farther and it depicted a secret place where one would hide their prized possessions then it referred to a secret place such as a safety deposit box or um, vault again so but then the last progression of it described a bedroom it described the bedroom and we all think of intimacy, and that, the first word that comes to mind for immature people is hee <laughs> giggle, giggle. And it's, no, I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. I, I do it every now and then because I'm immature. Um, no, I don't giggle. No, I don't giggle. Um, anyway, <laughs> but what happens is, is this, is you think of intimacy, and we think of a husband and wife relationship as what, what they think of when you say that word. But Jesus was trying to, use that word and describe that word and show people that that word it wasn't just about a husband and wife relationship it wasn't about the intimacy between a husband and wife it was about the intimacy between a son and his father 
So think about this. As this word progresses, it starts out as a place just to hide valuable stuff. Then it progresses into a lockbox or um, a vault. And then it progresses into a secret place where you can hide things. You know, for parents, it's that place where you can hide the Christmas presents where nobody's going to look or you think nobody's going to look and put them away. But you always have that one kid. Or me. Um, But then it's depicted as a place to put your prized possessions. And then it's described as a place for the bedroom. Think about this. You're not going to have a real intimate conversation with your, with your husband or your wife sitting around the kitchen table with your kids sitting there. No. And, and here's why, why we, miss, we construe the word intimacy and bedroom. And here's why. When my wife and I are going to have a conversation about our children, we're going to lock the doors, we're going to have a conversation, then we're going to come out, and then they're going to be like, what'd you talk about? We th- because it's a place where you connect. It's a place where our hearts meet and we have those conversations and then it's that place where our hearts meet. And Jesus was trying to to teach his disciples that there needs to be a place where we go to be alone with our Father where our hearts can meet. Not just in passing, not just, you know, oh, hey God, yep, I'm just praying for this real quick. There needs to be that moment and that time where we can go to a place and be alone with our Father and speak to our Father and He can speak to us. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. It says this, it says, Likewise, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray loudly in the synagogue or on the street corners. Their concern is to be seen by man. They've already earned their reward. And then Jesus says, when you pray, go into a private room, close the door, and pray unseen to your Father who is unseen then your Father who is in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not go, out, go on and on excessively and strangely like the outsiders. They think their verbosity will let them be heard by the deities. Do not be like them. Your prayers need to be, not be labored or lengthy. But your Father knows what you need before you even ask. So Jesus is saying, hey, when you go and pray, when you have those intimate prayers about what's going on in your life or praying for somebody. You have to understand, in that culture, Pharisees would go on the street corner and they would basically get on a soapbox in one way or the other and they would loudly, and I'm not talking like in a normal speaking voice, we're talking like pretty much yelling, pray for all the the sinners and the people that were around them that needed to be saved or that needed to come to God. And they would go on and on and on about it. And they would use eloquent words, and they would use a lot of people's time. And what Jesus is saying, don't look at that as the model to have that connection with God. Look and say, okay, how, how, do, I, how do I connect with God? Jesus, what did he do? He went away. He'd be preaching. He'd be like, oh, I need some time alone. Tell his disciples, hey, we're going. I'm going to go up here. You stay. I'm going to I'm going to go up there. He'd come back down. So he's saying, when you pray, don't sit on your front porch with a little microphone and a speaker and say, God, I just pray for those people across the street that really need you. And Lord, just keep their, you know, think about it. That, that's what they were doing. That's what the Pharisees were doing. And so God is saying, hey, when you're praying for someone, when you're praying for people, when you're having a, a moment with God, go into the prayer closet. Go into that space that you have alone from everything. It's closed off. Whether it, sometimes for moms, it has to be the car while your kids are going crazy. Yep, your kids can be in the house. Mom just goes out the car, sits in the car, has to pray. Bathroom for some people. Bathtub for m- most of my family. Um, but sometimes you just have to get away. And you just have to go and you have to have that talk with God. And he has to have that talk with you. Mark 6, 45 through 46, is, is, this is right after Jesus walks on the water. 
And it says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. He went to Bethesda while he, dis- excuse me, while he dismissed the crowd, and after he had taken leave of them, he went on the mountain to pray. So Jesus dismisses the crowd, says to the disciples, go before me, and he goes up to the mountain to pray. He spends that time going there to to sit before his father. Think about this. He spent 40 days before his ministry even started with his father in the wilderness alone to hear what his father had to say. You know, we think about, oh, Jesus, you know, spent 40 days in the wilderness and the devil tempted him. The devil didn't tempt him until towards the end, if you really read it. And what, from what we read, it talks about that he tempted him towards the end. You know, he, he, was, he was spending that time with his God his God, but he was also spending that time with his father and just saying, God, Father, what do you want me to do? Direct me, lead me, guide me, show me what I need to say, tell me what I need to do. But Jesus knew what the power of being alone and spending that alone time, going to that secret place, that, uh, that quiet spot where no one else could bug you for 15 minutes, a half hour, and just spending that time with God. Luke 5.16 says, Jesus slipped away from them and went to the wilderness to pray. Multiple times we look at Jesus going and he walks away from his friends for a while. He says, I just, you know, he's probably like, hey guys, go on ahead, I'll catch up with you. And he just goes up to the wilderness, goes out in the middle of nowhere and spends that time with God. It's that intimate connection with his father that empowered him to do what he needed to do. If, if we don't have that, that connection with God, we're going to try to do it on our own strength. So many times we don't, we don't spend that time to recharge with him, that 15 minutes, and then we go into our day, we go into our week and say, well, I'm just going to do this. I, you know, I talked to God last week, but I'm going to try to do this again. It's that daily conversation that, that gives us wisdom, that gives us direction on what we need to do. You guys ever been in a situation and you didn't invite the Holy Spirit into it and then you do something wrong or say something wrong and you're just like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. We've all been there. there there's those moments where we, we should have just spent 10 minutes with God or 15 minutes with God and got into his word and spent that time to talk with him and we would have had the wisdom we needed for the day. Think about this. If you could spend 15 minutes with the creator of the universe and you can have the wisdom that you need to go about your week, your day, your month, whatever it is. But we, we try, it's funny as humans, we try to go for 10 hours a day without spending a, a couple moments with God in the beginning or the end of the day and say, well, you know, I just, you know, I'm going to do this. Why go into our daily walk without having power? The, the intimacy with God, that moment you spend with God is where the power comes from. It's from the Holy Spirit recharging you. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit can't help you through the rest of the day, but that little bit of time. You know, I was reading some, I've been reading some different articles and books about some of these preachers. And some of these guys would spend four hours a day before they even got up to do what they needed to do with God. They would wake at four in the morning to spend time with God, four hours of of meditation and prayer and reading his word and then they go out and do what they wanted to do. I'm like, holy cow. Like, first of all, they got up at four in the morning. Um, but, yeah. I've only got up at four in the morning when people message us or try calling us. Um, yeah. But my, my, th- my thought was this. If they had, what, if you look at their lives and you look at the amount of time they spent with God, there's, there, there's, it sums up in the end to be a lifestyle of living with God and you look at the progression of their lives. Why were they spending so much time with God? Because he'd called them to a, a purpose. And you look at their, their life and their life is evident of them spending that time with God. They spent hours with God and, and what they've do, done in their lives transformed our church. 
I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church, the the Christian church as a whole transformed it. These preachers would transform counties and nations. The revival started because of these guys would spend four or five hours a day with their father. And I'm not saying you have to spend four hours a day, but if they were called for a purpose, don't, aren't you called for a purpose too? You're called for just a great purpose as they are. Just because you read about them in the history books and, and in different things about them creating revival in their communities. You know, think about it. Why, why haven't we seen revivals like we did then? Because I don't think we've prioritized the time spending with God because we, we think, oh, if I went to church this week, I'm okay. If I read my little devotional, I'm okay. That's great. Uh, you read your devotionals, go to church. But it, it's not about the devotionals and not about going to church. It's about that, those moments with God that, it, that, that sustain us and empower us and keep us throughout the week. Reading your Bible is great, but unless you're encountering the Holy Spirit while you're reading your Bible, it, it really doesn't... It, I don't read this... I read this in two different ways. And, and the first one is to learn. I like to read this because I like to, I like to learn about what God was doing. But the, the second purpose, I, and the more important purpose I read this, is to experience Him. I'm reading this so the Holy Spirit will show up and do something in me. Not, oh, well, yeah, that was great. And this guy moved to the town of Uz. And, you know, I'm like, that doesn't do anything. When you read it, it's just, this is just words. Yes, it is inspired by God. It's just blank words. Because what's happening is this. This is a two-part. God gave us this, but he also wanted us to apply the Holy Spirit to it. So when we read it, it would change us. And that's with prayer. You guys ever prayed? And you just pray and, yep, yep, okay. But God gave us the Holy Spirit to apply to every area of our life. So when we pray, we don't stand on the corner and God, just be with those heathens across the street and their children who are running rampant and think about it. He wanted us to pray with the power of the Holy Spirit in us so that when we prayed, we received something from it. The Holy Spirit was sent for us by God to do nothing but empower us and comfort us and to work on, on earth for us. Think about it. We have the ability to bring the Holy Spirit into what we do, into our prayers, into our time with Him. But we don't invite Him in sometimes. We want to do the 15-minute devotional. It's like, oh yeah, I feel good for the day. And, you know, and then we go out. But what we need is to invite the Holy Spirit into that 15 minutes, and when that 15 minutes can change the world. Matthew 14, 13. This is right after John the Baptist is, is murdered. And Jesus learned what happened. He got on the boat and went away to spend some time in a private place. Jesus knew that he needed to spend that time. I, I really believe that the reason why we have so many people that, that, that start to come to church and, and they, they get saved, but they don't, they don't, they fall away and we were, our, the church in America is starting to, to get less and less is because they, they haven't been taught to spend time with God. They've taught, oh, this is what you pray. You pray our Father. No, that, that's not what you pray. It's how you pray. You can pray that prayer, but it doesn't mean anything unless the Holy Spirit's in it. We're, we're supposed to pray those things, not pray that thing. But we, our, our, the America is starting to lose people in church because they've never been taught to experience the Holy Spirit and how to invite Him in to their life. Oh, I've 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 been saved and you know I've got baptized and I, I've spoken tongues. Oh, I've met a lot of people who do that, and but they're not living for God. I mean, we've had so many youth kids born again, baptized baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you know what? They haven't lived for God. And the reason why is because they have not chose to make it a priority to invite the Holy Spirit into their life. They like to come to youth group. They would come to youth group. They'd come to church or whatever, but they they couldn't sustain it when they walked out 
because the only thing they were doing is experiencing what was being spoken to them at that moment instead of experiencing it every day by inviting the Holy Spirit into what they are doing daily. Those moments with God change us for the day. Those moments with God change us for a lifetime. So why do we, why do we ignore those little things times, and I'm talking to myself too, why do we ignore these little times? Because I'm guilty of the same thing. Why do we ignore those little times and expect to have a big relationship with them? Here's the thing. If you're not having a daily conversation with God, you're still like that person on TV. Hey God, this is blah, 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 and I just, we don't talk much, but I really need your help right now. We have to have a foundation of, of communication to go to him. It says, enter boldly into his throne room. Enter boldly into his presence. So, here's the question. If you're not talking to him daily, do you even know him? Why do we, why do we not spend time with him daily and then expect to go to him? And he's like, I know you, but I don't, you don't know me. Because we expect to go to God that one time when we're dealing with something and say, God, fix it all. Take care of it all. I got, it, it's the, it's the um, miracle mindset. I need a miracle right now, right now, right now, right now. And God's like, I wanted you to live in a prosperous mindset where I will prosper you in everything, in every way. What did Paul say? I pray that you prosper as your soul prospers. So think about this. He wants you to prosper, but I, I, Paul's saying, I want you to prosper, but as your soul prospers. So the first one was what? Your soul should prosper first, and you will prosper out of it. So we go to God, and we're like, God, I just need this, I need this. And he's like, okay, we could have figured this out three weeks ago if you had talked to me a couple times. Jesus knew to go to his father daily, but there was also times where he just said, I need to spend a, an hour with God. I need to go away. You need to leave me alone. You're bugging me. You think you're dying when you're not dying. You, you can't do what I ask you to do. Get away, disciples. I need a break from you. He had to go up to the, to the mountain. He had to go out to the wilderness to, to recharge. An hour, a day, I don't know what it was, but he spent that time with his father. And what happened was, is this. He knew his father, and he knew his father's will for him. Think about it. What happened while Jesus was on earth with his disciples? They were like the 12 stooges. No, they, they were. They, they had good intentions. They had the good, really good intentions, and they did some things right. But it was a constant moment of, really, guys? Jesus is like, did I pick the right ones? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but he, he really had moments where it was like, you guys are ridiculous. And, and without saying you're ridiculous, read scripture and, and kind of paraphrase it in today. And he says, you're really ridiculous. Why do you have such little faith? Why do you believe you can't do this kind of stuff? And so Jesus needed those, that moment with his father to get away from them. But what happened when Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came? The Holy Spirit showed up and these guys changed. They went from disciples to what? Apostles. Okay, so something changed in them to change outwardly as their title. What happened was the Holy Spirit showed up. They were so dependent upon Jesus. They were so dependent upon him. Oh, Jesus, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? You know, just like, hey, Jesus, you, you done resting? You done resting? You done resting? And it's like, Jesus is like, go away. I need to go away. But think about it. He had the Holy Spirit daily. They, they were dependent upon holding Jesus' hand for it. And these are my disciples, and I, I love you, and, and, but you really just got to let go of me for a minute because you're really bugging me. But when the Holy Spirit showed up in the upper room in the day of Pentecost, and it filled them, and they spoke in other tongues, what happened is they were changed because the, the power of God was in them. They understood the intimate relationship even better than what Jesus was describing it. So what happened was is this. They went from just riding Jesus' coattails and hoping that they would get through and, and being afraid of being killed and, and denying him and running away and hiding 
to, I'm willing to die for what I believe in. I'm willing to sacrifice my life for my king. That doesn't change just overnight with nothing happening. The Holy Spirit came in them and empowered them. So why do we go into our lives daily? Here's the thing. We work, we go home, we go places. We have a mission field. It may not be an intense mission field like the apostles had. But think about it. Do we not need the Holy Spirit to show up in, in our daily life? Do we not need him to be there daily the same way he was with them? If he was able to empower them to go out and live their life and be fearless and be willing to sacrifice their lives for the, the kingdom of God and to spread the gospel, then why would we not want him for our daily life? If, he's, if, if the Holy Spirit was able to do that for them, in them, for that, why would we not want him for our daily walk? Why would we want that for going to work every day and dealing with that one person that kind of annoys us a little bit? A little bit, a lot, whatever it is, that one person that eats cereal weird in front of you, you know, or, or the one person that calls you at work all the time is like, I really need help with this. And you're just like, I've shown you how to do this 400 times. Or the person that just likes to, to annoy you. Or the person that you get annoyed by because you think they want to annoy you. But it's just God saying, you know what? I need, you need the Holy Spirit inside of you to have peace, joy, love, long-suffering. Um, <laughs> Jesus knew he had to go away with his father. He knew he needed to be empowered. He had times of solitude to recharge, gain wisdom, gain direction. Our intimate time with God ha is a place to go when storms come. When life it really kind of sucks, when it's hard, when we need wisdom, that prayer closet, that secret place, that wherever you got to hide somewhere out in the garage and pretend you're not out there and shut the lights off, to be alone with God, to get the moment with him. When your children are looking for you and they're hungry and you're just like, I need five minutes alone and you lock the bathroom door and you just spend that time with God. Or if you're just struggling and you're on your way home from work and you're in your car and you're like, God, this has got to do, but this is mobile prayer closet for the day. This is where I'm going to receive from you. But what happens is, is we just like, well, I'll just, oh, I'm kind of busy right now. I'll talk to God later. And then, oh, I'm kind of busy right now. I'll talk to God later. Oh, I'm kind of busy right now. I'll talk to God later. Think about this. You're driving in the morning, and your spouse calls you. Oh, I'll talk to them later. You can go answer. And then they call you about two hours later. Oh, uh, I'm kind of busy right now. I won't answer. And then about two hours later, they call you again. Oh, I'm really kind of busy right now. I'll call them back later. And you don't answer. And then they call you again you don't answer it. But on your way home, you call them and say, hey, what's going on? How was your day? And they're like, where the heck did you answer my phone when I called you three times? Think about it. Why do we, why do we use that as a relationship with God? Oh, I, I, God, you know, oh, I'm kind of busy right now. I'm not going to talk to him. I just got, oh, you know, I've got things at work going on. Oh, things at home going on. Things at church are going on. I got to talk to God later. Well, wait a minute. I got, God, I got to get to church. I can't talk to you right now. We do that. Am I right? We do that. Oh, God, I'm on my way to church right now. I can't stop. I got to get to church to worship you, but I can't talk to you right now. Or, God, I can't stop and talk to that person right now. I'm, I'm going to be late for worshiping you, and I got to be there because, you know, you might not be there when I get there. Yeah. Think about it. But we, we push it off and we push it off. But then we go to God that when we need him and it's like, he's like, but you haven't talked to me all month, week, day, whatever it is. And we wonder why we don't have that intimate connection with him. What happens is when we do that, we don't come into the throne room boldly like his child and say, hey, God, this is what's going on. You already know, but I really need your counsel on this. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. I need whatever it is, your peace in my life. We go up to him and go, are you home? Um, is it okay if I come in? 
I just need to talk to you real quick. It's like going to that one, like the HR person at work, and you're just like, I don't really want to talk to you right now, but, or that one person you just, you have to talk to, but you don't want to. It's kind of like going in, you're like, God, um, if you're not busy right now, can I talk to you? And he's just like, why? Why, why did you, we could have been having a, a conversation daily, hourly, by the minute. There's times at work, I'm like, Jesus, I need you right now. I'm like, you know, there's just moments where, like, you got six phone calls coming in. You got five emails of, of whatever's going on. There's just, there's stuff breaking. You know, like, one day, two things breaking down. You're trying to juggle both and do this. And it's just like, I just need, I'm like, there's times where I just sit at my desk and I close my eyes. And I'm like, it's two minutes. I'm just like, God, I just need peace right now. I just need it. And it's just like, you just feel it. It's just like, but those moments taking those little moments is what creates that big relationship with him. So when we go to him, we don't come in like some random person that doesn't know him asking for a favor. We go in like a son or a daughter asking for our father to step in for us. What happens when you're a little kid? My dad can beat up your dad. Well, my dad can beat up your dad. And then every now and then your dad shows up to one of those because you got in a fight or something like that. And your dad shows up to school and you're like, oh crap, dad's at school. So many times we, we try to just, we, oh, well, my dad, I just want you to show up and I need you to do this. And, and we're almost begging him instead of having that conversation, like expecting him to show up. You know, we should expect him to show up in our, in our life. Not, oh, well, I need you to show up. If you have a moment, would you show up? Go in and, and as a son and a daughter before him and say, God, this is what's going on. I know you're going to show up because you love me. He's going to show up and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. But we have to have boldness with him. And if we don't know him, we're not going to have boldness with him. And it has to be those moments alone. And we're just, sometimes those moments alone might be out of stress, might be out of, of fear, might be out of whatever. But we're spending that time and just saying, God, I need, and sometimes you don't even know what you need right now. It's like, God, I just need you to show up in my life right now. I don't know what I need. I'm just dealing with this, but I know you, you've got the answer. Those intimate moments with God will change us forever. You ever spent five minutes praying and you have the answer for a huge problem in your life? That doesn't come by just having random thoughts. Oh, I hope this works out all right. No, it, it's taking those moments with God and he says, you know what, if you talk with me, I'm going to give you an answer. Here's, here's the thing. God's always talking to us. It's our choice whether we can hear him or not. You know, Sarah does classes on the prophetic and, and things about hearing God. It's really not that hard. We just have to tune in just a little bit. Sometimes we have to change the way that we receive from him. Sometimes we have to, to dial it in a little bit different. But he's always talking to us. He's just waiting for us to talk to him. God, I can't right now. I'm busy going to church. But Psalm 91. Oh, I want to read this to you guys before. I was thinking about this last night. Um, you know, we talked about when storms come, we go to God. And there's a covenant that we have with him. When we get married, when we get married, we have, there, there's something that changes in us. We have an intimate relationship with our husband or our wife. And so what happens is, is this, is when we go to God, why do we only go to God, go to that secret place when it's hard? Why, do, why is he our SOS call? And he is our SOS, you know, like, I need help. Well, why do we only go to him when it's hard? Why don't we go to him when it's amazing? We, we, oh God, I need help. You know, I'm, you know, I need money. I need peace. I need my health. I, whatever it is, we go to God when it's hard. But then when it's good, we're like, yep, look what God did. We need to go to him in the secret place when it's hard, and go back to him in the secret place when it's done, and say, thank you, Jesus. 
thank you, Father, for what you've done for me. Think about this. We make a covenant with him. And when we're married, we make a covenant with our spouse. But why do we go to God when it's bad? We need to go to God when there's lows and highs, rich or poor, sickness and health. That covenant, we, we have that covenant with our spouse. That covenant is, it should be the same thing with our father. Husband and wife make this covenant. You know what, for richer, for poor, we've had more poor than richer. You know, we've had more sickness than health. We've had more lows than highs. But you know what? I'm not talking about me. I'm just saying this. We may have had that, but this is what we're going to have. And so many times we go to God when we, when we want, just when it's all lows, but he, we don't go to him when there's highs. We have a covenant with him through Jesus Christ. So why don't we exercise everything in that covenant with him? Psalm 91 says this. It says, My refuge and my fortress, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. When we go into the secret place with him, we rest in his shadow. We rest in his fortress. We rest in where it is safe. So why do we not go into the place where it is safe and then go out into the, go out into the, into the battlefield and say, oh, God's just going to take care of me today. No, we go into the secret place to become equipped to go out into the place that is not safe. We don't go to God, go to God and say, well, it was nice seeing you today. We talked to him for one minute and then go out. We go to God, God to be equipped for the day. We go to, to go to God to be equipped for the week, to whatever situation, the meeting we're going into, the, the family get-together, whatever it is. And you go to God and you get equipped for that. To dwell in the Most High. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. That shelter is the secret place. That intimate spot with God where you can just be with him and he is with you. It talks about God as our protection, the place we can run to for safety. Think about it. When you were a kid, when you, when, when you, you know, had those places where you went away to get away from everything, God is like, I want to be that place you run to. That fort or that little spot you had when you were kids that when stuff was going on, you went there. God's like, I want to be that place. You know, when, when we rest in his secret place and we have that intimate relationship with him, there's safety in that. David says in Psalm 32, 7, says, my God is my island hideaway. This is the message Bible. It says, my island hideaway keeps danger far from the shore, throws garland of hosannas around my neck. He is, think about this. David said he's my hideaway. And David needed a lot of hideaway. If you look at the early life of David, there was a lot of times where he didn't know if he was going to be alive or dead the next day. But when we run to God, when we, when we dwell in that spot, in that, in that intimate spot with God. There's safety, there's wisdom, there's revelation, there's direction. There's rest. You ever just needed rest? Not like a nap rest, but just like my soul is tired. I'm beat up. I'm, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And it's just like, I just need rest. I just need to rest in God. That's a whole nother message right there. But just, there's just times where you just go to God and you're just like, God, I just need to sit with you. You remember as kids when something was going on and you it, it, at school or something, you, your kids would just come, or you, parents now, your kids would just come and sit with you. They didn't have to talk about it. They didn't have to say anything. They just wanted to sit with you. You know, when they're little, they just they come up, can I sit by you? You knew something was going on, but you didn't ask them. You, they just needed to. And they would fall asleep on you or they would just sit there. That's what God is looking for. That's what we need to go to God like. It's to just come to him and say, I just need to sit with you. I just need to rest. I just need your protection. I just need your direction. And you know what? Not even saying a word. It's just that moment with him that will change us, that will, will, will calm our soul, that will give us rest.
he who dwells in the secret place in the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Just being in his shadow, being rested, being protected by him. But those moments with God, take that time. Take that, those moments with God during the day and just say, God, I need to spend this time with you. You will find that you will become addicted to it. It's funny about reading the, the Word of God. You ever read a book and you read the book and someone's like, oh, you should read this book. You're like, I read it already. You're like, you should read it again. No, I'm good. You ever read a book once and you're like, yep, I'm done with it? And you don't ever want to read it again? It's just like, yeah, I, I can never, I never read that again. Um, but it's something funny about this book that when you read it, you desire to read it more if you really are hungry. There's something about this that when you read it, you start to see who God is and you start to say, oh my gosh, he is wisdom. He is revelation. He is rest. And you keep going back to it and you're like, oh my gosh, I, didn't re I read this and I didn't see that before in the same scripture and now it's dealing with this. But it's this book that never grows and it talks about it that when we start to consume this, when we start to eat the bread of life, the word that is given for us, we desire it more. You ever read scripture and you're like, man, I really just want to keep reading. Because what's happening is you're experiencing the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is just, just working in you. And you're like, oh my gosh, that was such a good scripture. I'm just going to keep reading. And by the time you're done, you're like six, seven chapters in. You're just like, that was amazing. Because God is ministering to you. Because what's happening is, is the Holy Spirit is showing up while you're reading this. And you're experiencing God in a way that you've never experienced him before. Here's the thing is, God doesn't, every experience you have with God is never the same. But he's like, I want you to experience my love. I want you to experience everything I have for you. But it has to come in the place of sitting with him. Those moments with him. Take 10 minutes, 15 minutes every day. And just to spend with him. Not, no radio, no kids, no TV going on. But take 15 minutes and just listen to him. Read his word, pray, whatever it is. But spend those 15 minutes with him, those 10 minutes with him. And just say, you know what? I'm going to spend this with you. Because you know what? I'm going to make my relationship with you a priority. We have to make this relationship a priority because if we don't, what relationship do we have? But go to him. Dwell in the shelter of the Almighty. Dwell in his shadow. Spend that time. Go to him. Safety. There's just something about being with God. I just feel safe. You're just dealing with things, and it's like, God, I'm just struggling with it. And it's just the moment the Holy Spirit and His presence falls in you, it's like, I just feel safe right now. I just feel rest right now. Let's pray.